the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Do not be distracted. Do not be disturbed by the voice that you're hearing. You are not listening to the wrong podcast or subscribe to the wrong one. Brendan Glasheen is just off for today, and instead, myself, Gilles Gallant, is going to host the show this week with Brandon Anderson, and today's episode of the NFL Week 11 Recap is brought to you by FanDuel, along with a Monday Night Football preview. Now, Brandon, it's just after midnight here on the East Coast, Sunday Night Football between the Chargers and Chiefs has just wrapped up, concludes a nice Week 11 Sunday that featured 12 games, but four teams on the bye kind of missed them this week. We missed the Dolphins. Missed the Seahawks, the Jaguars, the Bucks. You know, a little bit of excitement felt like it was lacking this week. And, you know, the Chargers Chiefs did bring that. You know, the Chiefs did end up winning 30 to 27 on Sunday night football, but the Chargers do cover at plus five and a half, the over 53 hit, uh, highest total of the week. Brandon, was it pretty much an inevitability that Mahomes was going to drive and win this game here? Yeah, I mean, that's what's wild is so we get down to the end. And so don't forget, no Juju in this game. We got no Mikul Hardman. We got no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He went out with the injury earlier. No Terry Kill, obviously. He's long gone now. So we still have Patrick Mahomes. We still have Travis Kelsey. But beyond that, we have a discarded Packers receiver who wasn't even good enough to stay on their team when they have nobody. We got two rookies, Sky Moore and Isaiah Pacheco, and... We, we basically were lining up with all that. We got Justin Watson out here catching balls. These are the like leftovers of leftovers, guys. And every one of us was like, oh, well, tough break for the Chargers, man. You left them <laughs> in in 40 on the clock. That was always going to happen. Like, you got to kill Pat Mahomes dead before he is done in these games. Almost to the point that I started thinking like, man, should the Chargers have like run into the line a couple of times and bled the clock a little bit to try to get, you know, I don't think that would have worked. I think there were a lot of timeouts left both ways. You kind of know, I think we've seen a lot of these chiefs chargers games where we're, you know, the, the over under is always real high and it's like a little cagey and we're waiting it out. And all of a sudden we get to the last two, five, whatever minutes. And it's like, Oh, oh here's the fireworks. Here they come. So yeah, Mahomes. 25 straight wins in November and December. Now that is, uh, this is a six straight one score game between these two teams. And we don't have odds up yet at FanDuel, but Pat Mahomes was the MVP favorite coming into the day. Gotta be the MVP favorite after that one, because you know, for Justin Herbert, pretty good game. Herbert played well. Herbert had a nice game, did a lot of good things. Mahomes is just Mahomes. Yeah, it just it wasn't a Herbert thing. It was a Chargers defense thing, man. They could not get off the field on third down. Uh, the Chiefs were eight for 15 on third down today. Uh, and really, I thought their pass rush was pretty decent. I mean, then Mahomes would just drive the field, convert a play to Jody Fortson for 40 yards and a, th- and a touchdown to Kelsey and back-to-back plays. And you're just like, okay, so 
I guess being 20 for 34 from the field, it doesn't really matter for a guy like Patrick Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey uh, with that one touchdown, but also finished the game with three touchdowns, a hundred yards. He now has 11 receiving touchdowns on the season that leads the NFL for the receiving touchdowns market. Um, But you, like you just mentioned the Mahomes MVP case, Outside of maybe Jalen Hurts, I can't really think of anybody else who had what I would call an MVP day outside of Mahomes. So when those odds reopen, I think, like you said, he is going to probably re-solidify being the favorite here in this spot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, we'll we'll get to the rest of the games here, but it wasn't really an MVP football sort of day. Mm. Like I I had in my notes on this game, I was a little distracted the first half of this game. We got a little dull for a while. I was distracted by the the Grey Cup. Watching your boys up there in Canada (laughs) – Good there game. We, we got a we got a Toronto Argonauts. Is that it? Tar- the Argonauts came the Argonauts. back and got the win by one point. This is a, it's a fun game up there. We won't break that one down for you, but yeah, uh, this one got got good late. We got some MVP play from both quarterbacks. I thought the Chargers Chargers they got the fumble in the fourth quarter and are like, oh boy, here come the Chargers again. Then they got it right back. Like a few plays later, they march down. They get the winning score. We thought we didn't really think to Josh Palmer chiefs just are too good. And really the margin here, I think undersells how good the chiefs were. They had almost 500 yards, nearly eight yards of play for the game. Obviously Kelsey, three touchdowns, Pacheco, the seventh round rookie rushes for a hundred yards, basically in relief for CEH. Uh, you mentioned the late downs, Pat Mahomes on 10 late down throws, 1.19 EPA per play, <laughs> which is just an, a filthy, absurd, absurd number. Uh, I put this stat online. This is a little unfair because, like you said, this is not on Justin Herbert. You got to have your defense make a stop. However, Justin Herbert, after this game, now goes to 11, 29, and 2 ATS in the second half for his career. So 27.5% cover rate. And from Evan Abrams at our site, one in nine ATS in the second half in prime time for Herbert. Incredible. You got to have your defense make the stop at the end, but also maybe score a little more before that. Like it's not all just the defense. So here, here's my question on this. We talked about the MVP. Obviously the chiefs are still the one seed. Nothing really changed there. Chargers fall to five and five. We go at Arizona at Vegas next. Those are not gimmies. Like they, they probably, I'd say they go one and one in those games. Then they play the Dolphins and the Titans, who are two of the top teams in the conference. I think you're seven and seven at best after that stretch. Going down to the wire again, we got nine AFC teams right now for seven spots. The Bengals got a big win today. The whole AFC East is in this. I think the Chargers might have cost themselves a playoff spot here by not getting that stop. Am I overreacting? No, not at all. Uh, the AFC is already stacked as it is. Every win matters. And now dropping to five and five, there's just teams that are still ahead of them in this pace. Specifically in this game, uh, moving over to the AFC East, the Jets and Patriots. What a wild finish. 10 to three <laughs> Patriots win. They win and cover as three and a half point favorites. The under confidently hits under 38 and a half. Now 14th straight win by the Patriots over the Jets. 10 and 4 ATS in that stretch. Now, Brendan, please help us break down the most insane play of the day. Yeah, I mean, for you, you are on the Patriots minus three and a half here, and you got maybe the beat of your life on this one. So this game, I mean, I I, I could have just figured, I thought we were shooting for a 3-3 tie. Like, we're, we're punting back and forth, back and forth. We had 17 punts in this game. 
Little did we know that was just a primer for what was going to be the one play that mattered. So the Jets get stopped yet again, I believe, for their 10th punt of the game. And they're punting the ball away with basically under 30 seconds left. Literally, punt the ball. The Patriots aren't even probably going to try because they've been so anemic all game. They're probably just going to kneel the ball and go to overtime. And it's like, you almost hope they switch to college overtime rules, give them the ball in the 25 so someone might actually kick a field goal because that's all we're going to get out of this game. Instead, they punt the ball deep. I remember noticing off the foot, it went far, but it was really flat. Like, it was a very strange parabolic curve there. It just flew straight to him. Rookie Marcus Jones takes the kick, and you're like, oh, no, he's got some room. He gets off the sideline. He skirts around a couple guys, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot. He's passed a lot of dudes right now, and sure enough, he breaks into the open. You got like five more Patriots around him. Controversial, potentially no call. The NFL yeah. responded. I don't know. I don't. I, they, they said he blocked it side to side. I think that's the right call. Eighty-four yards to the house. First punt return touchdown of the entire NFL season. We enter the day with five hundred thirty-seven punts with no punt return touchdowns, and of course. Of course, because it's the Jets. That play is when we get our first touchdown of the season on a punt return. Marcus Jones to the house. Patriots win. Patriots cover. Never a doubt, Joe. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Jets, you have to feel pretty good about your defense. You only gave up three points in this game. Uh, you basically forced three turnovers with those two missed field goals and the fourth and just inexplicable fourth and three attempt in the third quarter, very un-Belichick like uh, when you could tell that that offense wasn't moving and you could almost feel like the vibe of the Patriots like fans and just not wanting Mac Jones to really make any play. And if you look at the box score, like he didn't have a terrible game. He was 23 for 27 with 246 yards, but it felt like every time he was going back to pass, like my heart stopped for, I thought, Oh, please don't make a bad. Like I thought for sure, maybe an interception or a turnover of just a negative play was coming. Um, but then you look on the other side and Zach Wilson didn't do himself any favors, nine for 22 from the field, 77 passing yards. Uh, you know, a little bit of a controversy coming out. Cause you saw Robert solid just make that. I mean, you can't see me unless you're watching the video, but visually just picture a scowl on your face when you watch that. <laughs> gross third down pass that was bumped in the dirt by Zach Wilson. Robert Sala just looked like he had enough. And, you know, the, the New York media and whatever, they'll probably make a little bit bigger of a deal about this of whether or not, you know, teammates are, you know, ragging on him and saying that Zach Wilson isn't the guy and the should they have gone to Mike White. I don't think that was the case at all. I just think that it was really bad weather and the Patriots defense played pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots, both defenses were fantastic, but I think you're underselling a little bit just exactly how awful the Jets were in this one. Patriots offense, not good. Certainly not good. But let me just put the earmuffs on the kids for a little bit. We got some horror numbers for you here on the Jets offense. So <laughs> New York does not cross 100 yards of offense for the game until six minutes left on their fifth first down in the game at that point. And it's still a tie game, of course, because it was all the way until that final punt return. You mentioned Zach Wilson, 77 yards. That includes a 34-yard catch from Denzel Mims. <laughs> that was not a good throw. It was a great catch by Denzel oh. Mims. So take that away. Now we're down to 8 of 21 for 43 yards. So that's pretty special. Negative a third of an EPA per play. So every three plays, a.k.a. every series they had, because they pretty much went three and out every time, another point lost for the Jets. 
in the in the Jets second half, here are the drives for New York. Three and out, negative six yards. Three and out, negative two. Three and out, seven yards. Three and out, negative 11. Three and out, no yards. That's five. Six plays, three yards. I'm not really sure what happened there. Five plays for 12 yards. And then we even got a zero for zero there because they didn't even get the kickoff down in time to get a playoff at the end. Eight drives in the second half. 26 plays for three yards. Three yards in the second half. Two first downs, one of them on a penalty, the other one on a pass that probably was incomplete, and New England just didn't even bother to challenge because who really cares when the Jets have the ball anyways? They did not move the ball past the 34-yard line, their own 34 in the second half. Jets finish with 13 drives for 103 yards, 2.1 yards of play, six first downs for the game two penalties to get uh, six first downs, otherwise four that they actually did themselves. So on the site that I use, uh, running backs don't matter. They, they you, you show running, passing, first down, late downs is green and darker green when things are good, and then purple and darker purple when things are bad. I promise you, Joel, I did not know purple could be so dark. Like, the 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 Jets purple is so deep. I thought I was hearing the opening chords for smoke on the water out there. It was awful. Zach Wilson was awful. They got swept by the Patriots. I think today maybe is the beginning of the end for the Zach Wilson era. You, you just can't do this. Well, they're six and four now in the division. And with that loss, they were second in the division. But as the day started, they have now dropped to last in the division with that loss at six and four Uh, would be just outside the playoff picture if the playoffs started today. And yeah, just some difficult games coming up here. Uh, So yeah, this could be, if not the end for the uh, Mike, uh, pardon me, if not an end of Zach Wilson, it could be the end of the Jets run in the AFC. Yeah, one more note here that's important. Patriots lost two offensive linemen in this game. Left tackle Mm -hmm. Isaiah Wynn and center David Andrews. Both went out. Both, to me, look unlikely for the next game, which is Thursday night. Short week for the Patriots. Spoiler alert, we'll be coming back to that one later. But you don't want to lose two offensive linemen for sure. Absolutely. So let's move over then to... Another uh, cross-conference matchup, but another low-scoring game, a game that had the potential to kind of upset the balance of uh, maybe some futures odds here. Looking at specifically the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Indianapolis Colts. Now the Eagles snuff it out and win, come back 17-16, to but the Colts do cover at plus 6.5. The under comfortably hits at under 45.5. Jalen Hurts now uh, 5-11 against the spread and 16 road starts in his career. Mm. Uh, but the Colts overall, I thought, I mean, they led by 10, you know, in the third quarter. I felt like the Colts defense, they did their job. You know, they held the Eagles run game mostly in check. You know, they contained the pass. They just melted on the final drive. Like, and Jalen Hurts, we were talking about MVP cases with Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts didn't necessarily have a front-to-back MVP game, but he had an MVP drive at the end of this game where he converts like a late fourth down in Colts territory, then runs it in to seal the game. Again, the C's just part on the Colts defense. Like, how do you not think that Jalen is not going to call his own number at this spot? There's a minute 24 left, and then you're stuck with Matt Ryan getting sacked in his own territory trying to drive the game, which is inevitable. But uh, 
unders now for the Colts, uh, nine and two on the season, uh, and now 14 of 16 overall. But uh, yeah, overall, just uh, the Eagles keep trucking. They come back with a nice little comeback win. Yeah, so my question on this game is, we, which side do we come out of this? Because we've got two Jeff Saturday games now. Jeff Saturday nearly 2-0 against all odds. You have to start looking up Jeff Saturday Coach of the Year odds. We kept that alive. But so the Colts have looked much better now with Saturday. Only two games. The Eagles seem to be really slowing down here. They get the win. Keep the one seed hopes alive. You keep your MVP hopes alive, but you don't feel great about the Eagles. So what do you take away from this game? Is it, was this more about the Eagles are slowing down or is this more about the Colts finally look like what we thought the Colts should have been this season? I don't know if I want to fully attribute it to the Colts as much as I think opponents are starting to realize what some of the Eagles' weaknesses are, which is even if you sign Adamakun Sue and Linvel Joseph, who did combine for a sack today, first day off the, on the job, um, that they still are difficult. They, they miss Jordan Davis and stopping the run. You watch Jonathan Taylor run for a touchdown on that opening drive. They didn't really allow too much after that, but I think that's still something that could be a weakness for them going forward. Even when Davis comes back is that I think teams are figuring out how to attack them through the middle and the gaps. Uh, but from a cold standpoint, you're right. Like if Jeff Saturday had won this game, I think you have to almost have him in the top five and coach of the year odds, just based on principle, just on, you know, being, as unexperienced as he was, and then also just winning two improbable games. Uh, but yeah, I think going forward, we, you you already know how I felt about the Colts. Anybody who's listened to the show has watched <laughs> me rail on the Colts and how washed up Matt Ryan is. I still, you kind of, that was what happened, you know, even after they gave up that touchdown and they probably had a chance to be able to drive down, you know, a, you know, an Andrew Luck, or even maybe last year, Philip Rivers, maybe they would have been able to pull it off. I don't think Wentz and Ryan were the guys for the job to do that. Yeah, I think for me, a little column A and a little bit of column B. I think you're right. The Eagles, I don't know, necessarily slowing down. The defense actually was quite good in this game still. But I do think that the offense, you're starting to see some solutions out there, either from teams that are playing them a second time or that have a certain scheme or just that have tough defenses against an offense that is still a little gimmicky at times. Mm -hmm. So I think it's part of that. And I think partly the Colts just were a more talented team than they played like for the first half of the season. I don't think Jeff Saturday has magically fixed everything, but I mean, they were profiling as a bottom three team for half of the year. They're not that right now. I don't know that they're great. I don't think they're going to suddenly make a run at anything necessarily, but I think we have to treat the Colts at least as a competent team now, which I was not treating them as for the last you know, couple of months. Sure. Yeah. And I think Jeff Saturday, if anything, he can do a good speech. He could probably get the offensive line to block. The one thing he cannot do is get Matt Ryan to not take a backbreaking sack on a third down. That's just unfortunately that is right in his DNA. So let's move over now to the AFC North matchup, Cincinnati versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals come out with a banger of a Bengals game, 37 to 30 win. They cover the minus three and a half over 39 and a half comfortably hits uh, more interceptions from Joe Burrow. Two, uh, six interceptions in two games versus the Steelers this season. But please, even though the Bengals did win, the TJ Watt impact is still real on this team, right? Yeah, I mean, TJ Watt one, had one of those interceptions on an incredible play, just instincts, just jumped up off balance, like like made a, made a play that he should be playing tight end for them, apparently, because it made a great play on that one. Man, this was a tough one. Tough to watch because... All three of us on the Friday pod were on the Steelers in this one. 
We took our unanimous unbeaten streak into the day and we took it on the chin here. So 0 and 3 on this one. And I I feel I feel fine about the read. TJ Watt was awesome. The defense was great, although Joe Burrow, four touchdowns, 355 yards. So apparently the defense was not so great, but I thought the defense certainly did enough to give the Steelers a chance. Kenny Pickett sucked today. <laughs> Kenny Pickett yeah, was no other so bad. <laughs> he just looked lost out there. He made slow decisions. He panicked under pressure and was under pressure a lot because the Steelers' line is not great. He took bad penalties, like mental penalties. He took sacks, just so many mistakes. I was like, just drop back and throw it up to George Pickens. Just give your dudes a chance because the Bengals were struggling to cover them. The Bengals had a couple of pass interferences. Pickens had some big plays. Pickett, just the processing speed was not there yet today. And credit the Bengals, their second half thing held up. They came through again, slammed the door shut. Pittsburgh was up at the half. I was feeling pretty good. I, I liked our position. I had money line at a couple units on the Steelers here. It's a tough one for me. We got Samaje Piran out here catching three touchdowns. Catching three touchdowns. I didn't know what the odds were on that. So this was a rough one. This was one of my bigger positions of the year. And I was having a pretty solid day. And basically this kind of evened me back out to zero. So tough loss, but yeah. Tough yeah. one today. Yeah, P. Ryan was probably around plus 500 to score a touchdown today. Nobody was taking multiple touchdowns because <laughs> they expected Joe Mixon to be in the game. He left in the third quarter with a concussion. So that was a little bit of an issue where maybe you thought maybe Joe Burrow would have to run it a little bit more. And P. Ryan, again, was awesome in the passing game. But really what you just saw was Joe Burrow leading what was a methodical drive for that Perrine third touchdown. And it was from they started from their own five, went right down the field. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from that game is that they could still win games without a Joe Mixon, without a Jamar Chase in the lineup and still go down and score on a defense that was overall rejuvenated. Yeah. Right, I mean, Brandon. look, yeah, we, we talked about the chargers kind of blowing a spot today in the playoff picture. We didn't really say it with the jets, but similarly, this is the other end of the spectrum. Let's give credit to the Bengals. I thought the Bengals were kind of teetering on the edge of playoff and they probably still are. It's a long season to go, but the, on the other end is this is a game getting that win in a spot where Pittsburgh's defense was the pass rush was all over Burrow at times. That line was collapsing. It felt like week one was happening again. And that Steelers might get this one. Bengals get the job done with no Jamar chase with no Joe Mixon. This is the sort of win you have to make to get back into the mix of things. So uh, I thought it was a big, big day for Cincinnati. Getting into the mix with things. Yeah, I didn't, didn't try to do that on purpose. I, I loved it. it though. I loved <laughs> it though. And now the Bengals are six and four. They are seventh in the AFC. If the playoffs started today, they would get the final playoff spot based on the tiebreaker. All right, Brandon, I know that you've been delaying this. You put this in the middle <laughs> of the show just for the rundown, just for this purpose, because you do not want to talk about this game. And as you could tell, uh, I am wearing a lot of Cowboys gear for anybody who isn't actually watching the video. I am wearing a Cowboys hat and a Cowboys hoodie. And I am a Cowboys fan. So we have to talk about the Cowboys-Vikings game. We won't make it a uh, long, painful process for Brandon, even though the game was already that for him. Uh, the Cowboys win 40-3, to cover easily the minus one and a half, but painstakingly hit the under 48 and a half. I had over 47 and a half in this game. Just shocking that the Cowboys could put up 40 points and the Vikings couldn't even just get a touchdown for us. Uh, Brandon, I, I just want to start off, and again, 
I want to ask you this as maybe a biased fan or maybe just even a little bit of an unbiased fan, but do the Vikings have a little bit of a fraud stink on them right now? I mean, it certainly has felt like that much of the season. Then they go out and beat Buffalo last week. And I was like, all right, well, maybe there's something real there. But yeah, I mean, you think of this game and then the Eagles game from earlier in the year where you come up against two teams without, you know, Buffalo, they they beat, but Buffalo's missing like half of the defense. And Josh mm-hmm. Allen was a question mark right up until the start of the game. Here is a full strength Dallas team, full strength Eagles earlier, and it's got spanked in both of the games. So It definitely feels a little fraudulent. I think third play of the game, Kirk Cousins drops back. Micah Parsons comes around the edge like nobody even there. Strip sack, fumble recovery. And that was basically just that play on repeat for the next three hours. That was my life today. When we were talking in our Slack, I was like, all right, all were all my Viking stuff. You were all your Cowboys stuff. Uh, Yeah, I did not need to break out the Vikings jersey tonight because it turns out they took the week off. So I'm taking the week off also. I got my my Team USA jersey on instead. Let's try to get a win tomorrow instead because it did not happen tonight. Parsons, huge game for him. Fifth game of the year with multiple sacks. Christian Derrissaw, the left tackle that was supposed to be blocking him. Mm -hmm. Questionable into today, left with a concussion. That's another one on a short week. Vikings missing a big lineman coming up. Yeah, I mean, the stats here, this was every bit as awful as it looked. 458 yards Dallas to 183 for Minnesota. EPA per play, Dak was 0.7. Kirk was negative 0.5. So every play that they ran was another point, more than a 1.2 in in Dallas's favor, which, you know, that's how you get to 40 to 3, it turns out. So it's bad. And these... Minnesota is still the two seed and pretty comfortably the two seed in the NFC. And uh, I don't know. I'm starting to worry that the Vikings might have to play a playoff team in the playoffs. Do you think that might happen to them? Cause it seems like it could happen. Yeah. Can we just uh, get them for here for 20 uh, to have the lions uh, set up here for them in their playoff game. But uh, no, I, I don't want to say that they're a full on fraud. I just more or less, the Darisaw injury was just huge. Seven yeah. sacks by the Cowboys today. Um, Vikings were 11 to one to win the Super Bowl prior to this game. They moved uh, to 16 to one. Um, yeah, it was just, it was difficult to watch. Uh, you know, the Vikings obviously were in a pretty big letdown spot. And, you know, over the last two weeks, the big trouble thing, troubling thing against the Cowboys and the Bills, a thousand yards in offense just over the last two weeks given up by this defense. So, all right, let's move over now to the Las Vegas Raiders playing the Denver Broncos Raiders win 22 to 16 and the Raiders do cover the the plus two and a half and the under 41 and a half hits fairly comfortably outside of Devontae Adams Brandon I thought that was the nicest play of the day but can you just break down this quickly on how this happened because I swear Nathaniel Hackett is either he's not doing offense or he's not doing defense I just don't know what he's doing on the sideline anymore yeah we got one of the the wildest coaching miss disaster classes of this. I don't even know what it was. Okay. So the Broncos are up late. They're up by a field goal and the defense is playing quite well. Really at this point, the Raiders are pretty far out. They're trying to get into field goal range. We hit Josh Jacobs on the wheel route for a huge play. So final three minutes, of this game after playing good defense, all game and all season, really Denver allows a 21 yard pass to Cole, a 43 yard pass to Jacobs. We'll come back to them in a second. Then 33 to Morrow, 35 to Adams. That's all in the last three minutes of this game. So Jacobs gets the 43-yard pass. 
They're down inside the tent. Remember, Raiders are down three. They're sprinting up to the line. Look, you have four plays left to try to get a touchdown here to win the game. Don't waste one of your plays spiking the ball into the line. You have like 30 seconds still. You're at the line. You're a professional football team. Call a play. Throw a fade route at least. You have Devontae Adams. They try to call a timeout. But wait, Josh McDaniels gets outsmarted by Nathaniel Hackett, who calls timeout to stop and get his defense set up so that he can stop them from spiking the ball. The the biggest, most stupid coaching head-to-head. Like, we took Nathaniel Hackett off of play calling so he could focus on these in-game things. And there were other times, too, just like, I, I don't know what this guy is supposed to be at this point. He said before the game, quote, somebody's got to win this game. It kind of felt like no one was going to win the game. We go to overtime. Thank God Devontae Adams ends it quickly. I think like a minute into the overtime, get the walk off there. Yeah, I mean, these teams are both three and seven. They're dead. We're like, there's nothing to see here. The Raiders are three and seven by nature of sweeping the Broncos. So that's how that season's going. Yeah, this is rough. I don't need to see these teams anymore. I don't need to see the Broncos anymore, but I'm happy to give you a break on the Broncos this week. You did the hosting, so I decided I would take the Broncos. You're back on next week. Brandon, you're such a gentleman. With the Raiders, uh, yeah, they got their first road win of the season. They were 0-5 to start the year. Uh, Six straight win over the Broncos. Lions, Giants, pretty big upset here, I guess. It's probably one of the bigger upsets of the day because there wasn't really a lot of upsets. But the Lions win 31 to 18. They cover the plus three and a half over 44 and a half does come through. And the Giants, they fall to seven and three straight up and against the spread this season. They are three and seven to the under. Uh, really, Brandon, the Lions run game. I mean, if you were trying to identify a weakness of where the Giants were going to be able to exploit the Lions, it was going to be the run game. But they kept the Giants pretty much contained 20 uh uh, 26 carries, 89 yards. They did score two rushing touchdowns, but outside of that, it was pretty much, you know, they couldn't really get anything going on third down. Uh, Jamal Williams now leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 12 touchdowns, finishes the game with three. Just for reference, he wasn't even in the top 25 options for most rushing touchdowns this year when the market opened. And uh, prior to this game, Goff, Jared Goff, that is, hadn't won a, on the road in consecutive weeks since 2018. All right, let's move over to the Browns and the Bills. Uh, moved over to Detroit, the Buffalo Lions. I mean, uh, the the Bills get it done. Uh, they win thirty-one to twenty-three. Uh, push the minus eight. Uh, the over fifty and a half hits. Felt like they could have scored fifty points. Five field goals today. Three inside the forty. Brandon, what did you see from this game? Yeah, and it's kind of a, kind of weird. Depending on when you got the line and where you played it. So the Browns score a touchdown with nineteen seconds left. And they kick the extra point. You're supposed to go for two there. You're behind by eight. So they kicked the extra point to, to lose by eight. At some books, a lot of books, this one closed at minus seven and a half. So then the Bills covered if you got that one. Earlier in the week, before all the snow shenanigans and moving and all of that, we were at eight and a half. So depending on when or where you played this, quite literally physically where you played it, yeah, th- this was got a little wild. I believe that touchdown also hit the over at the end. So rough or great beat, depending on what you think about that last Browns touchdown. Otherwise, really, this was a pretty dominant Bills win. The Browns played well for a while. They're up 10 to 3, five minutes till the half. And then the Bills went on 25 in a, 25 points in a row. 
at Bill's second half live. That was a pretty easy cash there. The stats will tell you this was a relatively even game. The stats are wrong on this one because the the Browns had 75 and 70 or two 75 yard touchdown drives in the last seven minutes that were pretty much meaningless. It was an 18 point game. So Bills rolled. They look pretty good again. Yeah. So the Bills, they move on. Commanders and Texans played today as well. Commanders win 23 to 10. They cover the three and a half, uh, the under 42 and a half hits. And pretty much as soon as that pick six happened in the first quarter uh, by Davis Mills, this game was over uh, 21 total rushing yards for the Texans. Although Davis Mills did rush for his first touchdown of his NFL career. Surprisingly though, only at plus 800 odds, a little bit of a ripoff price there. Taylor Heineke now as a starter, 4-0-1 against the spread this season, 4-1 straight up. And the Texans have now lost 10 consecutive games versus the NFC. The Bears and the Falcons also played today. A little bit of a burn burner. Falcons win 27-24. They do cover the minus 2.5, over 48.5 hits. And Brandon, I'm pretty sure you had a Bears bet in this game. I did. I had the Bears team total. We got over, but man, it was close. We had a 22 and a half, maybe a 23 and a half. You took it late in the week. We got 24. So we got there. I was watching for that extra point to go through, but yeah, the Bears at 17 at the half, it was 17, 17. We're getting a lot of points coming in. Keep an eye out before you bet on the Bears going forward. Justin Fields did not look right in the second half. Mm -hmm. It looked like maybe a tight hamstring. He got his shoulder checked out after the game. He didn't really seem so willing to run. He moved in the pocket, still did some feels magic, but I think that nearly cost us here. Another one where depending on when you bet this one, depends how, if you cashed or not, the Bears were plus three and a half early in the week. So they cover that one. Don't cover the closing line. A lot of minus threes out there. The other thing, Cordero Patterson sets the or sets and breaks the NFL record for kickoff touchdown returns with a 103-yarder. Poetic to do it against the Bears. Devin Hester, of course, has the record for kick return touchdowns with 20. That's kicks and punts and long field goal misses and all that. Cordero has nine. So good to see him hit, hit the record there. And you were right about Justin Fields. He's been sacked now 40 times this season. That's the most in the NFL. So you could probably see why maybe the attrition is starting to kick in. One in 10 straight up now in one score games for Justin Fields. He drops to six and 12 ATS in his career as an underdog. But on the positive side, the Falcons hit the over on their win total of four and a half. <laughs> Get their fifth win of the season. There we go. All right. So let's move over to Panthers. Ravens probably didn't miss much from this game. Ravens win 13 to three. Panthers do cover the plus 12 and a half under 41 and a half hits very easily Lamar Jackson now versus the NFC is 14 one and straight up but only seven and eight against the spread so make sure just to kind of consider that before you're starting to bet those games he did rush for the game winning touchdown defense pretty much did their job Baker Mayfield had two interceptions he sacked four times uh outside of them covering the plus 20, 12 and a half there's not really anything notable to cover on the Panthers side I I will say though for reference the Ravens didn't even need to get to the magic number of 17 points though usually a team once they get to the 17 points it's the doomsday number for the Panthers but uh just for a reminder if an opponent scores 17 or more points the Panthers are one in 30 straight up in the last 31 games in that spot so keep that in mind uh for next week Let's wrap this up, Brandon. Rams versus Saints. Saints win 27 to 20. They cover the minus two and a half and the over 39 and a half hits. Anything to take away from this game other than maybe Rams are done? 
No. The Rams are done. That's the take. This is about as inconsequential of a game as you can get before Thanksgiving. No playoffs for either side here. No draft picks because they both traded them all away. <laughs> so they're not even like contending for the number one pick. They're not in the playoffs. Nothing here except Matt Stafford leaves again. Second concussion issue in the last couple of weeks. You got to figure at this point with the Rams out of the playoff race, Cooper Cup out indefinitely. I think we've seen the last of Matt Stafford for a while, maybe for this season. Yeah. We got third stringer Bryce Perkins in. Jill, you and I got to watch Bryce Perkins. <laughs> we got to scout this. him in person <laughs> in L.A. in the preseason. Let me tell you, uh, the Rams are on the road in the Chief- against the Chiefs next week. My guy Bryce Perkins, I cannot bet on you to go get the win in Arrowhead. I'm sorry about it. The Rams are cooked. Yeah, I barely remember that Bryce Perkins performance. I think I was a little too for the best. inebriated from IPAs and and complimentary hot dogs. But uh, Rams now two and seven one against the spread to open the season. That is the worst ATS start for a Super Bowl champion since the Green Bay Packers did it in 1997. Okay, now we're gonna move to Monday Night Football. It's the 49ers. At you probably can't see me, but I'm using the air quotes at the Cardinals. It's actually in Mexico at Estadio Azteca and San Francisco is a minus eight and a half point favorite with the over under at 42 and a half. For anybody who listens to the best bets podcast, you might already know kind of where Brandon is leading. But Brandon, could you please remind us? How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I like the Cardinals here. I especially like that we're still getting the eight and a half. I want to grab the eight and a half while it's out there because I do think this line moves before kickoff. We're waiting on a lot of injury news still, and this could go badly. We don't know if Kyler Murray is set to go. We don't know if Danny Hopkins is going to play. We don't know if Marquise Brown is going to play. We have a couple offensive linemen and a couple guys on defense that are up for grabs. I'm kind of hoping that we get at least a few of them. Kyler Murray, we'll see if he plays. It does look like Colt McCoy at least is good to go. So if if it's not Kyler, we at least do get Colt McCoy. No Trace McSorley, please and thank you. But I'm just playing a number here. Jimmy Garoppolo has only been more than a touchdown favorite eight times in his career. He has won a six and one ATS in those games. Kyle Shanahan, 38% cover rate as a favorite. I always love to bet against Shanahan in that spot. And then, you know, I love my Kingsbury stats. Kingsbury as an underdog against a coach that does not want a Super Bowl, like Kyle Shanahan, 13-1-1 ATS, 93% cover rate by over 10 points a game. Kingsbury as an underdog against Shanahan, 3-0-1. And as an underdog away from home, 16-4-2 lifetime. And the Cardinals have won nine of the last 10 outright in that spot. So I don't know if they're going to get the win here. I do think the the Niners were giving them a little too much credit. I, I feel like this is a bit of a theoretical team. We like what they can be. We like what the defense should be, but hasn't really been. They're 26th in DVOA the last five games. Lots of injuries on that side. We like what McCaffrey potentially adds, but we haven't really seen all that come together. Cardinals have won 11 of 14 against the Niners, even as the Niners have been the better team for most of that stretch. So era, San Francisco has only covered one of the last nine all of those under Kyle Shanahan, of course. I know it feels bad. I know the Niners seem like way the better team here. I just think eight and a half is too many points, and I'm going to grab it. I think if we get Kyler and Hopkins and Brown, all those guys out there, I think this line probably drops to seven or possibly even below. I want the points. I want a two-score chance here. So I'll take the eight and a half in Arizona. 
Yeah, we shall see who uh, act inactive reports by uh, Monday morning, I imagine. But uh, I can imagine DeAndre Hopkins is going to play just because he did practice on Friday, at least. And, uh, you know, in his time coming back, he's got 36 targets and two touchdowns. So he'll be somebody that I'll be looking at to score. He's around the plus 150 mark right now. And then on the other side, I'd be looking at George Kittle uh, somewhere in the probably the plus 200 range, mainly just because the Cardinals have been dog shit versus tight ends this season. They're last in touchdowns, receptions and yards to the position. You know, George Kittle is probably going to get a couple more looks this week just because there was couple of rumblings in the media that he wasn't involved as last week so i'd imagine he's going to get a couple looks in the red zone okay now it's time to take a quick look at the nfl week 12 lines let's say what's up to peyton manning and kick off the hot read hot rock blue 17 ice rights ice cream jose Buda raiders 19, 7, 19, 7, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, well, I'm going to give you a three here. I'm going to give you two that I've already written about. We talked about Ravens at Jaguars last week. Ravens minus three and a half. And I also wrote about Bucks minus three at the Browns. I like both the favorites. Two of those teams did not play this week. So the lines have not quite moved yet. I'd still grab those if you can. Check out the writing. But the pick I'm going to give you right now is actually not a spread. I'm going to grab a total here. I don't do a lot of totals on the hot read. But I wanted to get you a Thanksgiving pick. So let's go to Thanksgiving evening. My Vikings at home against the Patriots. Vikings are minus three. I want the under in this game because, man, did you watch the Vikings and the Patriots today? They each scored nothing, basically. They did nothing offensively. They had a field goal for each team for the offense, for the game. No amount of miracle punt return touchdowns are enough to cover the 42.5. I mean, Technically speaking, I suppose eight of them are, but I don't think we're quite going to get there. We used all that up here. I talked about the injuries earlier, and that's what's key here. The Vikings almost certainly, actually the Vikings are going to be without Christian Derrissaw, the left tackle. He's already announced out for Thursday. The Patriots lost Isaiah Wynn and David Andrews, left tackle and center today. Short week, short turnaround on the road. Got to believe that probably both of those guys are out. So now you have an excellent Patriots defense and also the league's best pass rush against the Vikings that already have been bad against pass protection. (laughs) Don't need to remind you, Jill, you watched the Cowboys today. They lived in the backfield. So I think Kirk is going to be seeing ghosts as Matt Judon and everyone else is going to be chasing him all day. I don't really fear the Patriots putting up a big number. Vikings defense hasn't been great, but losing a couple of linemen against them helps to even the odds there. And then some of the numbers. You know, Thursday night unders, uh, that's always a good one. Thursday night unders so far from last season until now are 17 and 10 since the start of last season, 63%. And then primetime unders, 20 and 12 so far, uh, actually 20 and 13. Forgot to add in Sunday night. That definitely did not go under tonight. So 20 and 13 there. And then a little Thanksgiving treat stat for you. Thanksgiving night unders, 11 and four all time, 73% hit rate. And we're on seven straight Thanksgiving evening unders. That tryptophan is kicking in. Get your snooze on. 
I don't think we're going to see a lot of points from Vikings or Patriots. So I will take the under 42 and a half and I expect this line to drop. All right, Brandon, giving us a little bit Black Friday treat. Maybe be able to give us a little bit of profits on the Thursday night on the nightcap of Thanksgiving to go into Friday morning and crash your local Best Buy and try to get another 50-inch TV. All right, you can look for our Best Bets episode a little earlier next week for the Thanksgiving slate. As we just highlighted here, it'll be available Tuesday afternoon or evening to get you ready for week 12. It will feature a lot of Action Network crew. You'll also be able to hear the Action Network's podcast Week 12 Betting Preview with Chris Raybon and Stucky. That'll be out on Tuesday. Keep an eye out for that. And that'll do it for our Action Network recap episode and Monday Night Football preview. want to thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And good luck with your Monday Night Football wagers. Bon chance.